Hi, I'm David Benedetto, and today we have Richard Campanella, geographer and author for the Tulane School of Architecture, in the studio to answer some questions for us for our segment, Talking New Orleans. Question for him is, what are the projects uh, and what is their legacy now? The projects, the housing projects, uh, came out of um, the Depression when um, the federal government, through two housing acts in 1934 and 1937, um, sought to um, alleviate the cost of housing for the urban poor and more specifically the working poor. Um, uh, and so they teamed, the federal government teamed up uh, in a number of major American cities with local housing authorities or more precisely uh, people in the housing business here. Real estate people, mortgage people, people knew who knew about uh, the local housing and land use environment here. Uh, and they had them target certain areas that were viewed to be slums, which, of course, is a pejorative term, uh, but it was thrown around rather loosely at that time. Uh, and local authorities identified six areas to be completely demolished of their 19th century housing stock and street grids uh, and rebuilt as these rather utopian uh, super blocks with uh, garden apartments in usually in very striking geometric designs with green space and oak trees. The garden apartments, you could say, were solidly built and oftentimes sensitively built uh, to local architectural traditions, hip roofs, um, galleries, things like that, raised above the grade. Um, and there were six of them. Uh, they were also strictly racially segregated. So the two on higher ground in the front of town were white only. That was St. Thomas and Iberville. And the other four, St. Bernard, what later became Magnolia, Calliope, and uh, Lafitte, were for African-Americans only. Um, and so um, uh, their locations generally iterated the more organic racial geographies of of the prior city. And so you could almost think of this as an official decision to harden these pre-existing organic geographies um, of, of race and class. Um, and so over the next 20 years, these places uh, persisted in the segregated mode uh, until the, um, the Civil Rights Movement and the, the Civil Rights Act, um, at which point um, working class uh, whites mostly left uh, that these projects and they became... Um, overwhelmingly African-American and, of course, overwhelmingly poor. Uh, and so by the 70s and 80s, they came to be associated with a extreme spatial concentration, a clustering of many of the social problems associated with poverty. Uh, and among social scientists, it became very disputed as to whether this was, um, you know, a, a very expected, well, if you're going to concentrate poverty, you're going to concentrate everything that came with it, uh, versus the concern that this action, this spatial concentration actually exacerbated the situation and bred intergenerational poverty that was isolated from the rest of the city. Remember, the street grid was eradicated. So if you were a resident of the, residence of the rest of the city, you could not even go through these areas. Um, and so out of the, 19, uh, the 1990s and the Jack Kemp era at HUD brought about a new way of thinking about this. And it dovetailed uh, the notion of new urbanism to try to build cityscapes 
in in a way that created defensible space, that brought back historic housing styles, that brought back porches and sidewalks and intermediary space between public and private so you could have eyes on the street, that sort of notion, um, with this parallel notion of mixed income housing, that it was a mistake to isolate out poverty. And what you want to do is to try to have you know working class people next to poorer people next to middle class people, um, so this was called the Hope Program. There were a number of different H O P E housing opportunities for people everywhere. I think it stands for, um, and so. Uh, you started to see the changes in New Orleans starting in the late 1990s when St. Thomas was demolished. The street grid was reintroduced and it was rebuilt according to new urbanist designs along with mixed income. Then Katrina hit and the notion of continuing this became very contentious because it was seen as a as kind of an underhanded attempt uh, to go ahead and demolish and take all this time to rebuild to prevent poor people, and some would say specifically African-American poor, from returning to the city. And so it came to a vote in 2007, and the city council unanimously agreed to continue with the demolitions and reconstructions. Mayor Nagin signed off on the demolition permits in early 2008, and over the next seven, eight years to this day, the, re the complete demolition and reconstruction along new urbanism, mixed income, um, has been ongoing and is mostly complete now. Thank you. That was uh, Richard Campanella with the Tulane School of Architecture, and this is Talking Waters.